0: She is no stranger to organization. She arranged every crayon box she ever owned into rainbow order and has conducted semi-annual closet edits since the age of 14. She is the founder of LMW Edits, a San Francisco-based professional organizing company that focuses on common sense solutions for modern urban living. She believes that an organized home is the foundation of a beautiful life that prioritizes the relationships, activities, and commitments that matter most. She lives in San Francisco with her husband, Andrew, and dog, Petunia. Firecrackers, please welcome Lucy. Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. Lucy, one of the things that you told me that you wrote in your bio that I thought was absolutely amazing was the fact that you arranged your crayons into rainbow. (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
1: indeed. I I started really young (laughs) with with being organized. It's
0: true. Oh, and how does that happen? I mean, because when you're a kid, I remember when I was a kid, I used to throw my stuff all over the place. It was my mom or somebody <laughs> else picking up after me. Or-
1: yeah. Um, well, it's funny. Um, my So in, in my house growing up, everything was very organized and everything had a place. And um, it was my dad. My dad is a really organized guy and just that's how he is. And so I learned from him and I just, I really find comfort in order. And it just like if everything's organized, it just you feel like you have control over your space. And you can then use your energy to do other things rather than just trying to take care of normal everyday stuff. So to me, it seems really natural and just kind of like the way things are. Um, And it wasn't until I sort of got older and met people and went to people's houses and started looking around and went, Oh, this isn't this isn't the way that everybody lives. Not everybody knows the power of an organized home and organized space. So that was sort of what led me to do what I do. But yeah, no, it it was, it sort of came very organically to me. I do have to say, I have a sister, we're very close in age, um, and she is not as uh, organized as I am. We think the same way, but she um, prioritizes organizing stuff a little bit less than she prioritizes like organizing work or organizing how she spends her time. So we both have a similar perspective, but it comes out looking a little bit different.
0: Yeah, no, I, I completely get it because me and my sister we are sort of uh, no I would say we're more similar in the sense that we don't organize stuff. I still don't organize. Uh-huh. Stuff. I, we do we do organize like our time and our schedule, but I yeah. find my stuff among my chaos. Like I have chaos going on on my desk, uh-huh. all the time, my room, everywhere. But I still find my stuff. I know where it is, uh, even if it's well, good. a pile of you know papers or whatever. But my sister. she never finds anything like, but she doesn't care through life like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I, the more that I do this, the, the work of organizing and helping people, the more I realize, you know, there's part of that, that's, that's your personality. And do you thrive on chaos or do you thrive on order and what, what are you drawn to? But then part of it is just like, some people just never learned organizing skills and they are skills. It's not, it's not that you're a bad person or a, or a messy person. It's just maybe you don't know, have the skills that you need. And so I think of my work really as like teaching people who want to learn a skill. Yeah. So yeah.
0: So it's something <laughs> they can definitely learn. Um, yeah, absolutely. And you also mentioned that you do uh, semi-annual closet edits since you're 14. You know, I actually do the same thing. We do the same thing at home and we actually call it, we use the word police as a verb. So we do the police. Uh, We go and open the closet and everything, like everything in every single cupboard and closet and box and everything that I have at home. And I start uh, putting into piles what I donate, what I throw away and what I keep. How do you conduct yours?
1: Well, I basically do that with my closet a couple times a year. It's the same thing. I just pull out what I'm going to donate or sell. Um, it's pretty quick these days. I keep a pretty minimal, I mean, not, I guess not minimal, but I keep a pretty streamlined wardrobe and my husband's gotten into it too. So like every few months he'll come to me and be like, I think we have too much stuff. We need to like look at the laundry room or we need to look at the garage or like whatever. So, um, it's sort of a constant cycle of, making sure that you don't have anything extra and then also making sure you're not buying a bunch of stuff. I mean, we're so picky about what we, what we bring into the house at this point, because we just know if we don't make a good decision, then six months later, it's gonna be like, why do I have this?
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I agree with, you know, the fact that you need to do like some cleaning or, yeah, it's like, it's sort of like, not exactly cleaning, but it's like decluttering. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: decluttering, purging, yeah, tidying, yeah. all yeah. that stuff.
0: Yeah, but in my opinion, it's it. I mean, I do. I declutter. Or I or I tidy, and I, I take things out of my house. But then mm-hmm. the amount of things come back in. <laughs> and I, think, yes. <laughs> I don't know if it's yes. because of the size of the place where I live. But I think people that tend to live in larger spaces also tend to hoard more stuff.
1: Oh yeah. The more, the more storage you have, the more stuff you can put in it. That's for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I dream of having a tiny home. Have you seen those?
1: (laughs) You know, I know a woman who has a tiny home. I don't know her well, but she's um, she's a, an organizer here in San Francisco, in the San Francisco area. And she lives in a tiny home and she's just obsessed with it. She thinks it's great.
0: <laughs> I do. I want to do that. Not only because like the environmental footprint is smaller, but also because uh-huh. there's like a lot less space for me to stuff, to have stuff that I don't need, that I don't use. Uh, sometimes yeah. I worry because I'm like, I have, you know, insert word here or whatever it is, and it's just gathering dust somewhere in mm-hmm. my home. I don't like stuff gathering dust because I'm a I I don't organize. I'm not like a tidy person. Like I said, I'm a bit chaotic with stuff all over the place. Mm-hmm. But I'm I mm-hmm. hate dirty stuff. Like for me, I'm oh yeah, cleanliness. I'm anal about it. So I'm I'm not organized. Yep. But I'm like it has to be. My home has to be spotless. So yeah, a speck of dust would drive me bananas.
1: <laughs> and it's harder to clean if there's a lot of clutter. That is for sure.
0: Yeah. So do you think that, um, what type of clients do you serve? Are these people who don't have the time to organize, who don't know how to organize? Is it mostly women And um, men? How does it work?
1: It it does skew more women. Um, it's basically people who want an organized home and there's some combination of lack of time, lack of energy, lack of direction, um, lack of skill. So they they have an idea of what they want, but they don't know how to get there. I, you know, I look at, Sort of what I do is similar to someone hiring a personal trainer or hiring a nutritionist. Like, we all know what we want to have and kind of how to get there, like theoretically. But it's one thing to know what you should be doing, and it's another thing to actually do it. (laughs) So, I sort of coach people and teach them through the process to help them get to where they want to go.
0: Absolutely. I mean, so that's really important because I also do the same thing. I coach people yeah. to get where they want to go in a different way. I, like I said, I, I'm not uh-huh. into organizing, but <laughs> I exactly what you mean. So there is an American society of professional organizers. This is, this is a, yeah. an actual, how do you, how would you call it? Is it like a, yeah. like a career? Is it like a It's
1: a, it's an industry, it's it's an industry association. There are actually two, um, the older and more established one is NAPO. It's now called the National Association of Productivity and, uh, Organizing Professionals. Wow. Um, and that one is sort of more, it's been around for like 30 years. Um, and I've been part of, I'm part of that one as well. And then the American Society of Professional Organizers is sort of an upstart. I think they started about last year, maybe, Um, and their focus is a little bit more on like the modern way of looking at organizing. So focusing on simplicity, environmental impact, really having more of a perspective on organizing. Napo is really like, come one, come all if you organize. And ASPO is more like, we are focusing on, um, simplicity and environmental impact, um, and simple
0: living. So So it's like minimalism in a way.
1: Kind of. Yeah. They, they skew more towards that. And I like that because I mean, I'm certainly not a minimalist as I look around my home office, (laughs) Um, but I I definitely lean that way. When in doubt, less is more. I I really do think that, and I've thought that more and more the more I do this work.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, I'm not a minimalist either, (laughs) and one of the things that you and I have in common that I have a lot of at home is art, because I know Uh you are on the board of a performance art incubator. Yes, I am. But so you must be into art as well.
1: I am. Yeah, I I consider myself an amateur appreciator of art. I don't know a, I know more about dance. I grew up as a dancer and sort of followed all the major dance companies. I, you know, became obsessed with Alvin Ailey, which is an amazing company out of New York. Um, when I was in college. Um, but I know less about sort of the the current art scene and I definitely don't know a lot about visual art. But being on the board of this organization is so it's so rewarding because it really feels like I can have an impact on, on the arts ecosystem here in San Francisco. And this, this is an artsy city. Like, there's a lot going on here. This is a particularly cool and fresh and, um, you know, out there kind of organization that's really on the edge and pushing the boundaries of what performance art can mean. And it's way outside my comfort zone, but it's really cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I mean, yes. I mean, when I think about, I've never been to San Francisco. Um, but when I think about it, like the first thing that comes to mind is like, you know, the hippies and all that uh-huh, uh, yep. movement yep. that developed back in the 60s, 50, uh, late 50s and early 60s, and went on to the 70s and everything that spilled out of it. And it, it is actually like, the, it comes to mind, as like a bohemian kind of society, mm-hmm. basically.
1: There's it's, definitely still that element for sure. I mean, you know, we're, we're, the city has been in the headlines in past in recent years for technology and all that kind of stuff. but there are definitely still a lot of creative, weird, cool, kooky people here in the city (laughs) that give it flavor. And I, it's just, it to me, it's a privilege to be involved with that community because I myself am sort of a, sort of, you know, like straight laced person. I have a pretty normal life. I'm not especially creative or artsy myself. So to have a little bit of a connection to that vibrant, cool community is just, I, it's an honor, really. I think it's awesome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And are people as laid back in San Francisco as I think they are, as most people say? <laughs>
1: it, depends, it depends on the context. In, in business, people are pretty intense. Um, but in terms of, you know, food and culture and, you know, hanging out, I mean, there's definitely a California vibe here. I, uh, I went to college on the East Coast, and I would say it's certainly different from the East
0: Coast. Yeah. People in the East coast are high strung. That's for sure.
1: I found, I found that. Yeah. I, I, I noticed that, but I'm a, I'm a Californian girl. I grew up in Southern California. So California is sort of what I'm used to.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. no, I'm used to the other thing. I'm used to the East coast. I'm used to the high strung, <laughs> fast paced, yeah. no time for your bullshit kind of attitude. Yep. Yep.
1: Totally.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could live my life a little bit more like the people from San Francisco. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's for well, sure. Well, there's pluses and minuses, you know, like everybody gets it done in their own way. There's there's something about going to the East Coast, especially just like somewhere like New York or Boston, where there's just a, a lot of energy and you really feel it. And you don't necessarily get that um, yeah. on the West Coast. So pluses yeah. and minuses.
0: And I understand. Like New York is one of my favorite cities for sure. I spend there a lot of time. I, I try to like spend there at least four, four months per year. I really love it. Uh, but yeah, but I, I mean, awesome. I know where you're coming from. Like it's really, it is very high energy. Um, and I, I come from a city which is, you know, large. My, I was born in Colombia and um, uh-huh. I live, well, I was born in the third largest city in Colombia. There's like 5 million inhabitants. So it's not a tiny town, but
1: the right. feel
0: is the feel of a tiny town.
1: <laughs> so, oh, okay.
0: Yeah, whole different building. <laughs> You're listening to the Honest Upward, a podcast where modern child-free women share their life stories, and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. So, Lucy, let's talk about your choice to become child-free. I want to hear about when that came about and how, how, why, all your thoughts. Sure. So,
1: um, growing up and all through my twenties, I totally thought I was going to have kids. That's what you do, right? I'm sure that a lot of people think that um, and I actually got married on the younger side. Um, I was the first to get married uh, among my group of friends. My husband and I started dating when we were 22 and 23 and when we got married I was 28 and we sort of said, let's you know take a few years and travel and work and have fun and be young in, in this great city, um, get a dog like all that stuff and, and we'll talk about having kids like later. And we, and I sort of said, all right, well, I don't want to make this nebulous because you know, I'm a practical person. I'm organized. I said, all right, you know, let's, let's back it out in a perfect world. You know, you're supposed to be having kids that you're supposed to be done having kids by 35. Let's back that up. If we wanted two kids, like latest, 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 we need to make this decision by the time I'm 32. He's like, okay, great. So we just go on with our lives and we have like four awesome years of doing exactly that traveling. That's when the idea for my business started to percolate, like. You know, sprucing up our first house that we bought together. Well, condo. I mean, San Francisco, we were in a condo. Um, Mm -hmm. And just like living life. And we adopted a dog and everything was great. And we didn't really, I didn't really think much about it at the time. And then finally, you know, I turned 32 and I turned to my husband. I'm like, so this is, this is the time. What are you thinking? And he, he sort of looked at me and he was like, you know, I don't really want to do this. And I felt this overwhelming, instantaneous feeling of relief
0: that I sort of
1: didn't expect because I had just sort of been sort of like floating along with the plan. Like, oh, sure, of course we're going to have kids. And he said, you know, I really don't want to do it. And I was like, oh my God, I don't think I do either. (laughs) I'm so relieved. Like it was just a huge weight off. And, you know, it's not like we sat down and had like a conversation listed pros and cons or had any specific reason. It just, it just did not feel like the right fit for us. So we made the decision and we moved on and we've been like, and I'm now 37, so five years later, completely happy with the decision and like, haven't even like gone into even much detail about it since it was just, this is the right thing for us. And we're just going to move on with our lives.
0: That's great. And how how have your friends reacted and your family, like your closer circle?
1: Yeah, um, I think at first people were sort of Combination of surprise and didn't believe us. <laughs> yeah, um, you know they're like, oh, of course you're gonna have kids. Just give it time. And my my parents, I think, still don't really believe it. Um, but they're they're wonderfully supportive people, and they they spend we spend a lot of time with them. We travel with them, and they just sort of sort of take it as it comes. My very closest friends have all been really supportive, and I also saw a change when my very closest friends had their own first children. And whereas before they had kids, they may have been like, oh, come on, we're going to have kids together. It's going to be so much fun. Like, of course, you want to have kids. And after they had their first babies, they would say to me, you know what, I don't regret my decision, but this is really, really hard. And if you have even a question in your mind that you don't want to do this, you shouldn't. Yeah. Um, true. So, at, and and that feedback I I found very valuable because there's this narrative about how motherhood is so magical and it's the best thing in the world and you can't be a woman without it. But to hear privately from the women that I trust and respect most that like, no, like we understand why a person would not want to do this it was it, it helped a lot. I mean, you know, I think, I think the harder, my inner circle isn't the hard part. Like, you know, I I have wonderful friends. I'm very lucky I've always been honest and open with my friends and they, the same with me. And so there's not really that judgment. And, you know, I'm not from a community that has large families or places sort of outsized value on a family. I'm not from a religious community. I'm not from a particular ethnic community. I'm sort of like garden variety white. Um, (laughs) So... There aren't those like particular community values that I have to struggle with that I know that a lot of other people do. So yeah, the the inner circle has not not really been a problem, especially as people started to have their own kids and got wrapped up in their own challenges and sort of got the picture.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm glad that you have people around you that are that um, open about, about, you know, talking about the challenges of what being parent. Yeah. Parents. Yeah. Because I feel that parents are yeah, absolutely. Because I feel that parenthood is just so romanticized in many places. Yes. And it's like, oh, you yeah. have to be a mom, you know, you're always happy, babies happy. And they, you always see, you know, the pictures on Instagram and Facebook or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're having mm-hmm. the perfect life. But nobody at least not none of the people, and only one, only one of my friends who is a mother. Has sat with me and said, I, I'm just so tired. Like this is so hard. Yeah. And the rest of them are like, no, it's so much fun. Have a baby, but they don't tell you about
1: it. Yeah. I sometimes think that there's a little bit of misery loves company going on there too. Like some people, yeah. some people have, you know, wanted to try to convince me to have kids. And I think that sometimes those people are less secure in their own decision. Like the people that I know who are parents who you know, are very clear-eyed about the ups and the downs and are very happy that they made that decision, those people aren't pressuring me. It's the the people who aren't secure in their own decision who are looking to me to validate them by making the same decision.
0: So this is something that I heard in a different conversation, and and, and you're absolutely right. It's like, it's when people need validation from others, that's when they Mm -hmm. start sort of like questioning what your choice was, and this is such a personal choice, to be yeah. or not is such a personal choice. And I don't get this. The one thing that it just does not, I cannot wrap my brain around is what does it matter to you, you being right person if I have kids or not? Like what, how does it affect your life? <laughs> you know?
1: Right. Exactly. Like I can see like my sister caring because her kids aren't going to have cousins. Yeah. And I can see my parents caring because that limits the number of grandchildren they have. Yeah. But like random friends, like we can still hang out if I don't have kids.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, of course, family, you know, my parents are going to be like, oh, I'm not going to have grandchildren, at least on your side and sister or whatever. I understand. But it's different because it's family. Um, yeah. It, it, it's, it's bloodline. And um, yeah, it's a whole different ballgame. But close friends. You know, even people who you don't know, uh, I was reading the other day uh, this story about a woman who went to get an x-ray done and the technician mm-hmm. who was performing the x-ray told her that, you know, she's 25, she was on, on birth control or something because, you know, they have to ask you before if you're pregnant. Yeah. Uh, and she told her that she was not pregnant, that she was in birth control, and uh, yeah, she had a stable partner. Because she asked all these questions, which I think it's, it's you know very in your face. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then she, the technician who did not know this woman told her, "Oh, you um, you must hurry and become a mother very soon because you're in your prime years." And afterwards, she's not going to be. Able. Oh God! <laughs> and this is a 25 year old girl. You know, I mean, 25. She's got
1: time. jeez
0: yeah. <laughs> Even if she doesn't want, even if she wants to become a mom, she doesn't have to do it yeah. tomorrow. And that coming from somebody yeah. that you don't know, it's like, why? <laughs> why?
1: Yeah. I think I think I'm lucky in a way too to live in an urban area, you know, where people are really delaying motherhood. And so I think that the thing that's actually a little bit awkward for me that I have yet to figure out a good way around is um people here in the Bay Area tend to delay having kids because it is so expensive. It's so expensive and people are in the middle of their careers and so You know, women are waiting until their mid thirties, into their forties to have children. And so obviously there's a biological reality there and and people have difficulty. There's a lot of IVF, there's a lot of fertility treatment. And so if someone asks me, oh, do you have kids? And I go, no, then their immediate assumption based on my age is going to be, uh-oh, she's having trouble having kids. And I just brought up a sore subject and now I feel like a jerk. Whereas I'm like, no, there's no problem here and, and don't waste your sympathy on me. There are plenty of people who are actually struggling with that. So that's sort of a weird dynamic because the assumption is is, is one of awkwardness, but kind of for the wrong reason.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's not fun. You know what gets me when people ask me when I'm going to have children? They don't ask if, they ask when. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, definitely. I mean... I, uh, for the most part, I'm able to let it roll off my back, especially, you know, people who don't know me. It's like, whatever, you know, you can think what you're going to think. It doesn't really impact my life. I think, um, you know, but it, it is hard kind of, especially being a business owner, trying to network. And a lot of times when you're networking, people will ask you about your family. And then that leads to this awkwardness. And then now maybe my business is being impacted because people don't understand how to talk to me as a 30-something woman who doesn't have kids.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, exactly. So that's, that's
1: the part that is a little bit tougher to navigate where it's like, how do I make sure that this is not relevant? And also, like, I have a lot of clients with kids. and. I have fun working for them. I especially have fun working for clients who have teenagers because navigating that dynamic can be really tough for parents. And because I still identify a little bit more with the teenagers than I do with the parents, even though I'm much closer in age to the parents, Mm -hmm. I can kind of like balance that out and get the kids to trust me and have really good outcomes. But it is weird, you know, when I'm, you know, interviewing a potential client about their needs and whatever, and they'll of course ask if I have kids. And when I say no, you can tell they're a little bit like, oh, do you get it? Should I hire you? And um, so that's, that's an interesting
0: one, too. Yeah. Well, I, I don't understand what the relevance is, though, because, <laughs> I mean, no, for sure. I'm, I'm serious. It's like, like, yeah. okay, what does it matter if you do have kids or not? Like, you, you're there to help them tidy up their place and organize and have things, in, you know, every yeah. little thing has its home in the home. And what does it matter if it's for an adult or a child or a teenager? I mean, it's the same principle, isn't it?
1: Yeah. The concepts are the same. I mean, it does help to have a little bit of fluency with like the toys that kids are playing with these days or like the, the things that people with toddlers really need to have at their fingertips at all times. That helps. But I mean, I have a niece who's three and a nephew who's nine months and who I see all the time. So it's not like I'm you know, it's not like I, I, I hate kids or avoid kids. I, I love certain kids. I love my niece and nephew. I love my best friend's sons. Like I, you know, but so I do have that fluency, even though I don't have my own and that does help. But yeah, mm-hmm. no, you, you absolutely don't have to have kids to organize for families. Yeah, for sure.
0: No. It happens to me sometimes as well when I'm in settings, you know, when you meet people, especially women, the one thing that everyone has in common at this day and age, well, I'm 36 myself right now. So the one yep. thing they have in common is kids. So at some point, the conversation yep. is going to turn into my child this, my child that. And yep. I find it so awkward to just, like, sit there and be, like, nodding with my head going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I am really not interested, but you don't want to be yeah,
1: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, it, it is always weird. I think that's where I get to, like, chime in with, like, stories about my niece or nephew because that's all I got. Like, that's the closest I can get. Um, I mean, I think for me, like I have a lot of empathy for moms because watching my close friends go through that process, like it looks really hard. (laughs) And like, so I, you know, I try to empathize with the fact that, you know, they're not trying to exclude me. They're just trying to connect and reach out from a place that's, that's sort of fraught and difficult and that sort of gets me through. But I mean, I, I agree. It is it is weird to be in a group, especially if you don't know people well, mm-hmm. where that kind of conversation comes up and then you're like, well, I can't really connect in the same way that you're connecting.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not a thing because yeah, that, that in, in those types of conversation you really cannot relate. Um so yeah. it, it presents as a challenge. Uh I I if it were up to me, I would like hang out all the time with people. Uh, either child-free people or people who would,
1: mm-hmm.
0: even if their parents would not bring up the subject of their kids, unless it's something that I could relate to, you know, as a, you know, mm-hmm. you were a child once, what do you think about this? Instead of I have a kid and no, you know, parenting thing is not, it's it's different when it comes from a, a place where, do you remember when you were 14 and so-and-so, you know? Mm-hmm. And my Mm -hmm. 14 year old is doing this or that right now. That's different thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I wish the conversations were more like that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, the, the friend thing is hard. I feel like, I think the thing that's been interesting to navigate and I've been, I've been able to do it pretty well, but you know, if you stop and think about it, I just get a little bit sad. It's like, you know, you, you lose your friends when they become mothers Mm -hmm. and it's, and it's not anything personal it's because they just literally don't have any time they yeah. they and they don't have energy and they're not sleeping and their husband is probably driving them up a wall and not helping and <laughs> you know like it, they're just in this place where the last thing they want to do is then schedule time to do something else with you yeah. and so for me i just have to like i've learned to sort of let it go and enjoy the time that i do get and just sort of bide my time and wait until their kids sort of get to school age and they can breathe again Mm -hmm. um and hope that they will still want to be friends with me when we get to that when they get to that Mm -hmm. point Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and sometimes they may not and you know that's that's a hard thing but i mean my close close friends i have that has not been a problem and then more distant friends you know i actually this is a funny one i actually had a woman so we had lunch and this was like four years ago, maybe at least four or five years ago, I knew her kind of through a volunteer thing. And she's like, Oh, let's grab lunch. Let's go like, oh, fun. You know, possibly for a new friendship. Great. And we got to lunch and she had a like six month old daughter at the time. And we're in just in the course of conversation. And sh- I'm sure without even thinking, she says, you know, I, I'm really not auditioning any new friends who who aren't moms. I just, I just need mom friends. And I was just kind of like, Um, Whoa! why are you here with me? Like, I, I, we didn't need to have this lunch if you weren't interested. Like what? So that, that friendship didn't really develop, but you know, it was, you know, if if you're going to set that boundary and that's your choice, then I, I'm not going to fight you on it. (laughs) Like if that's not what you're looking for, I'm not going to waste my time. But it it is a, a little shocking, the things that people sort of say unconsciously and they don't, Realize,
0: <laughs> yeah, but you know, you're always looking for your people in a way, yeah, you know? exactly. You're always trying exactly. to hang out with people that you know have things in common with you, whether it's hobbies or lifestyle or anything that you are passionate about. So, yeah, I guess it's normal, but yeah, it could be, I mean, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yeah, I don't know how I would have reacted to something like that, but um, yeah, I, I just
1: I kind, kind of blinked and moved on. Yeah, no. I mean, and the other thing too is like, I think that the the women who are moms that I connect with tend to be the kind of moms who their whole world isn't their kids. Do You know what I mean? And I, and I, not that that's a bad thing. People mother in a million different ways, Mm -hmm. but my girlfriends tend to be the kind of moms who value and look for time away from their kids and not paying attention to their kids. And whether that means, time with girlfriends whether that means their job whether that means things they volunteer for like they have something else going in life besides being a mom um you know someone who's whose entire life is being a mom and wife is someone I'm probably not gonna have much to connect with over Whereas someone who is a mom but who's got other stuff going we might have something in common there
0: yeah absolutely that's why I re- usually don't connect with well, stay-at-home moms <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, actually I, um, I tend not to seek out stay at home moms as clients Mm -hmm. for that reason. Um, because there's, there's less of a connection there. And also, you know, the, the reason that I do my organizing work is because I see that people just are very overwhelmed in life. Like there's so much going on. People are pulled in 9 million different directions. Um, and when someone is a stay at home mom, they, Aren't in that space. They're more like fussing around with the details, and I am much more about uh, streamlining lives and making life easier, and not about fussing with the little details. So it's not really a culture fit for me to work for stay-at-home moms. Yeah. So yeah, okay. I, I both personally and professionally, there's not a there's not a good
0: connection there. Yeah, completely agree. Well, Lucy, it's been a pleasure having you in my show. Unfortunately, we're running oh, out of time. Thanks. But before it's I been let fun talking go, to you. It's been so much fun talking to you too. Thank you. <laughs> but before I let you go, is there anything else you would like to add? Anything at all?
1: You know, um, I think that's, that's it. I mean, it's, it's nice to know you're creating a community. And I think that there are more of us out there than people think. And I'm happy to speak up as a person who chose not to have children and be a voice and tell other people that you can do this. And it's a great way to live. People who are parents are happy. People who are not parents are happy. Do your thing. Do Absolutely.
0: Do you. you. That's great. you well, again, <laughs> Lucy, for your time. It was a pleasure having You're you. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, continue fueling your inner fire.